0: You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Raise your hand if you're doing okay. All right, all right, everybody. Mildly satisfactory in here. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know, as, as a pastor in a church... There's two things that you always want. You always want God to show up, and then you really don't want him to show up at the same time, because if he shows up, it typically ruins your plans, and you you find that you have to explain a whole lot, you know, like, you don't have to explain church, like, everybody files into church, you know what's going to happen, but... When when the Holy Spirit, um, I don't know what the right word to use, but uh, when the Holy Spirit starts moving in a way that's different than we're normally used to or that maybe we don't have a theology for, people stand in wonder. We wonder what the heck is happening right here and right now. Well, the first thing is, if you haven't figured this out about God yet, um, you probably are not going to figure out everything about the way that he does things. If you think that in order for God to do something that you must first understand that thing, then you're thinking about him all wrong. He does things often in ways that perplex us. Yeah, so... um, it, and it's not to say that we shouldn't work to understand things. I I love the scripture and I love searching the scripture out for understanding. And so a lot of times when the Lord does something like he did this morning, if you if you're not familiar with that context, it could cause you to go, "Hmm, I'm not too sure about that." I remember uh early on when Amy and I were first married, I think it was around 1995, somebody showed us a VHS, VHS cassette tape of a church service that was going on somewhere in Florida, and I saw a church service that I had never seen before in my life. The first words that came out of my mouth were, that cannot be God. Well, what I was really meaning was I've never seen anything like that and my my mind is fairly limited. But eventually, I discovered that, you know, God tends to do things that look different than what we're expecting. So, and uh Amy and I were just talking about, I mean, we love it. We love to worship like that. We love to call out to God like that. I mean, like we're kind of like, Oh, my gosh, isn't this great? This is kind of the greatest thing ever in the history of Queen City Church, you know? And, uh, and uh, man, she said this thing I thought was so extraordinary. I don't know, that song that John Mark wrote, How He Loves, you know, it's got that controversial line in it. When heaven meets her, like a sloppy wet kiss, you know, it's like that, that line has been a, a point of argument ever since it came out. Um, I, I, do, I know why. I know all the reasons why. <laughs> but the thing is this. Um, the lyric is so extraordinary because what it reveals is that it reveals the passion of God for people. And many people cannot handle passion. They're buttoned up. They're repressed. They have views of God that are inaccurate. So when a writer, a poet comes along and says, when heaven meets earth, like a sloppy wet kiss, people are offended because their sensibilities don't have room for the passion of God. And Amy just mentioned, she said, this morning what happened was this. Heaven met earth with a sloppy, wet kiss. And once God did that, then the tables turned and earth started meeting heaven with the likewise sloppy, wet kiss. The passion started flowing out. People who were in broken places in, in, in moments of tenderness or whatever began to feel the love of God and responded. you know, a good marriage will include passion within it. Not every single moment of your marriage will be passionate, but you should have moments of passion. So if the church is the bride of Christ, there will be passion between the bride and the bridegroom. I'm sorry if that metaphor makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. It's in the Bible, guys. But interesting. My sermon today, I'm going to talk about this things we love, but I'm so fascinated by the way the Spirit works. By in advance, in my sermon prep, there were things that happened in this room today that I'm going to be talking about today, and I just love that. So, let's get started. Um, so, I often think of the story of Abraham and how God came to him. And he told him to leave the place that he was familiar with and go to a place that is strange. Do you all know the story in the Bible? There's the patriarch Abraham. He was in a familiar spot. And God came to him and said, you need to leave the place that you understand. And you need to go to the place that you don't understand. You need to go from the familiar to the unfamiliar. All right? So... If you've ever had that dynamic in your life, you'll know that going from the familiar to the strange is not easy. To move from what you do know to what you don't know is actually one of the hardest things to do. When you go to a strange place, you feel things that maybe you did not feel in the place that you set out from. Any of you feel any strange feelings this morning? Like, I don't know what's going on here. This feels weird. This is unfamiliar to me. Anybody have that reaction? It's okay if you did. You have permission. It's all right. It's all good. But when you're in a strange place, you can feel lonely. You can feel unknown. And you can even feel like you don't belong. So why do people set out to go to places that potentially put them in an unfamiliar space? So Amy and I, were we were young. I know many of you have already heard this story, but we were young when we left our home in California. January 1999, we left everything that we knew and we moved to everything that we did not know. We went from the, unf- the, the very familiar to the totally unfamiliar, to the known, to the strange. We moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. So why do people do things like that? Abraham did it because the Lord told him to go. I can't say that the Lord told us to move, but I can say that I did feel an invitation from the Holy Spirit. I felt an open door of possibility. So I think Abraham kind of had like this uh, stake in the ground moment where God actually spoke to him. I didn't have that moment, but I did feel like the wind of the Spirit blowing. We felt permission. To go. So I could sense that God might be inviting us to North Carolina, but for what purpose we had no clue. God will let you go into a place and he will not give you a reason. All right. Why is it that we always want reasons and God hardly ever has any to give? That's the way it is, isn't it? You're going through your life. You're, you're walking into things that are unfamiliar, unexpected, and strange. And you say, God, I need a reason for this. And all you get from God is silence. Interesting. In the 22 years that, we, that have passed, we have gone through many highs and many lows. And some way, somehow, the Holy Spirit got us here to this moment, right now, This morning with you. And we are all here this morning because the Lord got us here. The Lord got us here and he is doing something. The Lord got us here and he's doing something. I want you to know, I wrote those words before this morning happened. All right? That's pretty cool, right? The Lord got us here and he's doing something. Even if it's unfamiliar. So it's important to acknowledge that following the Lord's leading in your life will not protect you from life's highs and lows. You can be faithful to follow the leading of the spirit, but that is not 100% protection from the actuality of life. In fact, you may have some highs, but I can actually guarantee that you will have some lows. Following Christ includes experiencing many dangers, toils, and snares. What are dangers and toils and snares? Well, they can be anything at all. The Bible says that they're, the Bible calls them various trials. Some trouble we make for ourselves, some trouble comes at us from the devil, devil, but lots of trouble just comes from being alive on planet Earth. So, taking for granted the actualities of the difficulties of life or the actuality of the difficulties of life, what is it exactly that keeps us desiring Christ or desiring after Christ? What is it that gives us strength to endure? What is it that gives us language to understand when we find ourselves in the midst of seasons that we do not understand? What is it that gives us a tremendous sense of purpose, even when it seems like all of the odds are stacked against us? The chips are down and it becomes apparent that the only thing which can be said about us is that we do not have a snowball's chance in hell. Well, for me, from my view, that thing is, it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God, y'all. What is the glory of God? That is a good question. The glory of God is the essence of God's goodness. It's the essence of God's goodness manifested in actuality. It's the essence of God's goodness that goes from being an abstract intellectual theory that you hold in your mind to a concrete thing that you experience in your life and it has no bearing on whether you have money or you don't it has no bearing on whether you have a great life or you don't the goodness of god the manifest glory of god is available to you In and out of every season, no matter what. Now, it doesn't always show up like it did this morning, but it's really good when it does. The earth is soaking with God's glory. And we are a people who have been soaked in God's glory. I was getting soaked by God's glory this morning and worshiped y'all. I was losing my mind. I mean, how many times have you stood in a worship service and said, Oh my God, I have no idea what these words mean. I'm totally bored by this song. I wish I had a latte in my hand. Actually, better yet, I wish I was somewhere else at brunch. But aren't you so glad you didn't miss the glory of God this morning? Aren't you so glad you didn't skip out to go have brunch this morning? I'm telling you, this is the stuff that I live for. This is the kind of stuff that got me in my car 22 years ago with my two baby girls and my wife and moved across the country. Because on the back of my tongue, I had tasted the glory of God in my life and it ruined me. I was ready to go through anything. I could endure anything because I had tasted the essence of God's goodness in my life. We are a people who have been soaked in God's glory. Here's the thing. If you taste the goodness of God, you will want more. If you taste the glory of God, you will want more. Actually, once you start becoming aware of God's glory in your life, here's what happens. Your affections begin to change. God's goodness changes us. We start loving the things that God loves. We start to care about the things that the Lord cares about. And all of a sudden, the things that God holds dear become the things that we hold dear. In a way, the glory of God ruins you. The glory of God. People who are soaked by the glory of God are ruined. They're ruined for anything else. I would say this, that Queen City Church is a group of people who want to be totally ruined by the goodness of God. That's who we are. We, we, I don't know, if we're not identified by any other distinction than that, like we are a people just kind of stumbling our way through, but we've been totally ruined by the goodness of God. I think that's a just incredible distinction. But I keep seeing it everywhere in this church. I keep witnessing an in-gathering of people who hardly know each other all of a sudden taking care of each other. How many of y'all have been in this church for less than a year? Raise your hand. I mean, there is a whole lot of new folks in this church. God is building something here that is quite extraordinary. I keep seeing strangers becoming friends. It's so weird. Some of you I have known for years, but some of you I have only known for a few months. And it's like God has drawn us all here at this moment. And nobody knows why, but we all have this sneaking suspicion that the glory of God is about to burst out in our midst. We are all so different. And we come from different places, but that is what the Holy Spirit does. He takes our divergent lives and he pours out his glory and his goodness and he's creating a mighty convergence. This is why we are a Holy Spirit people. We know that it is the work of the Spirit. That is powerful enough to take all of our different stories and to join us together in the love of Christ. Y'all, the Holy Spirit is not the sideshow of what God is doing. He's not, He's not the circus sideshow. It's not, um, He's not the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the main event of what God is doing in the earth today through and working in the church. If I had to choose one theological vision for the people of Queen City Church, it would be this passage found in Psalm 27. One thing, one thing I have asked of the Lord, this is what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Listen. Someday. When um, Heaven and Earth really do meet, you know you know the, the final outcome is not you dying and leaving your body and living a, a disembodied existence, floating on a cloud for the rest of your life, playing a harp. That is not your future, the future es- eschatological vision, sorry, I promise not to use that word anymore, but what is going to happen is heaven is coming to Earth, and we are going to live in actual bodies it's called the resurrection welcome to christianity y'all you are going to live out the rest of your existence through all eternity with a body but you will see the lord at some point with your actual eyes you will see the lord and guess what You're not going to be standing there with a latte waiting for the white guy with the acoustic guitar and a microphone to lead you in praise. You are going to be falling on your knees and awe will be coming out of you. And when awe leaves your body, noise is made. And that is not an event that is meant particularly for the future it is actually meant for your life now we pray it all the time father what's what's that prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come your will be done what on earth as it is in heaven That vision of worship that we were reading from in Revelation, that's not somewhere in the disembodied distant future. That is a reality for you and I right now in this place. And we tasted a little bit of it this morning. It's not going to happen every single time, but it should happen more. Are you all with me? Okay. All that we desire is summed up in this line written thousands of years ago by King David's hand to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to witness his glory, his essence, his goodness in all of its forms, to swim in the river of God's Holy Spirit, to see people meet Jesus for the first time, to see racial divisions destroyed, to see lives that were once ravaged by sin and brokenness, to be healed and restored by the power of God. This is the place worth starting from. It's where I started from all those years ago when I packed up my car with my family to move to Charlotte. I had one desire. I had one love. My heart was seeking after the beauty of the Lord. If you need a vision for your life, if you want a spiritual vision for your life, you can read Psalm 27 and meditate on verse, verse four. Lord, let me gaze upon your beauty in my life, not after I've died, but now I want to dwell in your house. And when that, that scripture is talking about It's not necessarily talking about these four walls. It's like the house of the Lord can be out in your job. It can be in your home. It can be in your school. It can be wherever you go. You can experience the essence of God's glory in your life every day. You are actually hardwired for this. You know, another passage in the book of Revelations says that Man, meaning mankind, we as individuals are the dwelling place of the living God. You know, it is actually a gift to you that you can't see God right now with your physical eyes. It's a precious gift to you because what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's teaching you to walk by faith. He's teaching you to see into His glory. It's a gift to you. I had one desire. I had one love. My heart was seeking and is seeking after the Lord. But this is not just my story. Each one of us has had some kind of encounter with the living Christ, which has drawn us to this place. And I want to say this to you today. The Lord is giving us something precious. He is giving us hearts that desire to know him. The Lord is giving us hearts that are filled with anticipation and great expectation. The Lord is putting his heart into our chests. In Jeremiah 27, God said this of his people. They, His people were living as exiles in a strange land. He said this, I will give them a heart to know me. This is what happens when we encounter the glory of God. When we drink in his goodness, our hearts change. We don't have to do any heavy lifting. We don't have to waste our lives trying to manage away sin. We are overtaken by his beauty. And then we discover that the things that Jesus loves have become the thing that we love. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.